You can't be neutral on the moving train. I told y'all before. You can't believe everything that your teacher tell you. Who is your teacher? Your teacher just learned what they was taught. How do you know what they was taught was correct? And that was an excerpt from Writings on Disobedience and Democracy by Vinnie Paz. Welcome to You Can't Be Neutral, a political podcast inspired by Howard Zinn and progressive and radical activism, taking a look at society, media, and politics. You can follow on Twitter at YCBNeutral. You can find out more at YouCan'tBeNeutral.com. There you'll find all the back episodes and you'll find some links to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. First up is a piece published by Fight for the Future. This is at their site, don'tbantiktok.com. Lawmakers and regulators are trying to ban TikTok for everyone in the U.S., Already more than 25 states have banned it from government devices, including Wi-Fi networks, on college campuses. Now, the Restrict Act would give President Biden the ability to ban TikTok for all users in the U.S., and his administration is in full support. The calls to ban are full of ridiculous claims and hyperbole. In December, one congressman even called it digital fentanyl. During the congressional hearing, members of Congress showed they don't understand how social media apps are used or how young people use them. It begs the question, would 70-year-old politicians care so much if TikTok weren't such a powerful organizing tool for young activists advocating for stuff like LGBTQ rights and gun control? On top of that, it's deeply ironic that our lawmakers are trying to be, quote, tough on China by mimicking the Chinese government's aggressive online censorship. The ACLU has asserted that banning TikTok would violate the free speech of millions. We should all be concerned about how apps like TikTok collect and abuse our personal data. But singling out just one app shows a massive ignorance of how governments, including our own, already spy on us and put pressure on companies to manipulate our feeds. Yes, it's worrying that the Chinese government could access the data that TikTok collects, but TikTok's just one head of the Hydra. Other apps collect really personal data about us too, and China's government could simply go out and buy it from a data broker or get it a million other ways. TikTok uses the same exact data-hungry business model used by platforms like Facebook and YouTube. And as long as some companies are allowed to collect massive amounts of data, we're all in danger of the details of our digital lives used to hurt us. To stop governments like China's from accessing and abusing the data that companies have on us, we need to prevent apps and companies from collecting so much of our personal data in the first place. If U.S. lawmakers really care about our privacy, they should get serious. We don't need more hyperventilating about TikTok. We need strong privacy and transparency laws and antitrust action 
to break up the companies getting rich off their data empires. Right now, the U.S.'s privacy laws are embarrassingly weak because our lawmakers haven't got their act together. Companies from Amazon and Google to Kroger and, yes, TikTok, are free to exploit our digital selves to make money. We need a national data privacy law to stop companies from harvesting our personal data, a strong law that gives us the power to sue the companies that abuse our trust. A strong data privacy law could also crack down on data brokers so that governments can't just purchase information about us that they wouldn't be able to get without a warrant. Another reason our data privacy problems are so terrible? Tech companies have been allowed to get too big. We have laws that are supposed to prevent data-hungry monopolies like the meta-Facebook-Instagram-WhatsApp monstrosity. Instead of banning TikTok, which would further reduce competition and help big tech monopolies get bigger, Congress should break up big tech and create space for alternatives to grow. We deserve social media that's not controlled by any government and where our privacy and basic human rights are respected. Fight for the Future has a petition at don'tbantiktok.com. You can sign the petition to tell U.S. lawmakers don't ban TikTok to really protect us, pass privacy and antitrust laws to rein in big tech, and protect all Internet users' safety and human rights. And while the discussion and debate about banning TikTok has been ongoing for a while, it has only been recently that the proposed legislation that would facilitate the banning of TikTok has been released and revealed and uh, been begun to have been, been discussed in the media. Here's a piece written by Ray Hodge, published at Salon.com. First off, let's be clear on one thing. The supposed TikTok ban bill, a.k.a. the Bipartisan Restrict Act, Senate Bill 686, does not actually ban TikTok. The word TikTok does not appear once in the bill's 55 pages. But critics of the Restrict Act on the left and right are now sounding the alarm in rare alignment calling the measure a Patriot Act 2.0, which opens the door to unprecedented digital surveillance of Americans and gives an appointed executive panel unchecked power to censor the Internet in the U.S. Even though the measure has been temporarily stalled in the Senate after it created a contentious rift within both parties, a number of bills are floating around with similar language. As might be expected, TikTok itself has been overflowing with user videos firing back at the legislation and its ilk, including those from conservative media voices, along with those from progressives like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York. Digital rights advocacy group Electronic Frontier Foundation issued a sober rebuke of the legislation Thursday, saying the measure fails to protect private user information. Quote, Due to undefined mitigation measures coupled with a vague enforcement provision, the bill could also criminalize common practices like using a VPN or sideloading to install a prohibited app, EFF said. There are legitimate data privacy concerns about social media platforms, but this bill is a distraction from real progress on privacy. Noting that the Restrict Act doesn't require the executive branch to justify its restrictions on expressive technologies like TikTok, 
and limits lawsuit challenges to those restrictions. EFF condemned the bill's potential threats to free speech. Instead of passing this broad and overreaching bill, Congress should limit the opportunities for any company to collect massive amounts of our detailed personal data, which is then made available to data brokers, U.S. government agencies, and even foreign adversaries, China included, EFF said. The bill's primary sponsor, Senator John Thune of South Dakota and Senator Mark Warner of Virginia, don't see it that way. In an email to Salon, Warner spokeswoman Rachel Cohen insisted the law would focus, quote, on restricting businesses that facilitate or abet specific kinds of harm, but not on individual users. Quote, this legislation is aimed squarely at companies like Kapersky, Huawei, and TikTok that create systemic risks to the United States' national security. That doesn't appear to square with the actual language of the bill. Although most of its legislative language is clearly geared towards controlling corporate mergers and giving the president a new tool that can force a foreign company to divest itself of U.S. interests, there's no specific provision that protects individual users of banned websites or software. Instead, it would give an appointed presidential committee the power to make new rules and enforce them with little oversight. How could those new powers pose a threat to individual users? First, there's a real possibility that according to the current version, an individual user could face criminal charges for downloading or accessing banned content, such as through the use of a virtual private network. Depending on the appetite for enforcement, the penalties could include up to 20 years in prison for using a VPN to access a banned site and, in some interpretations, up to $1 million in fines. Another threat is a lack of transparency and accountability the bill grants the appointed committee that would decide which apps to ban. The lack of judicial review and reliance on Patriot Act, like surveillance powers, could open the door to unjustified targeting of individuals or groups. President Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan is stoked about the Restrict Act. In a March 7th statement, Sullivan said it would give the government new abilities to, quote, mitigate the national security risks posed by high-risk technology businesses in the U.S. and would strengthen our ability to address discrete risks posed by individual transactions and systemic risks posed by certain classes of transactions involving countries of concern in sensitive technology sectors. The troublesome phrase in that word salad, privacy advocates suggest, is individual transactions. Across its 55 pages, the Restrict Act offers a lot of winding, tricky language with room for broad interpretation. Concerns are emerging about how the bill could threaten civil liberties and First Amendment rights, especially considering its vague language, lack of oversight for sweeping new executive, not elected, authorities, and the secretive nature of the FISA courts, which rule on a range of intelligence and surveillance cases. The ACLU has condemned the bill, along with a previous version, the similar but distinct Data Act, and called both measures a danger to free speech. Quote, Blocking access to entire platforms would violate the First Amendment rights of the estimated 150 million Americans who use the platform daily, the organization said in a March 23 release. Furthermore, the ACLU argues that banning TikTok is a bad idea in the first place 
it would clearly violate the First Amendment, in the words of Senior Policy Counsel Jenna Leventoff. The government can't impose this type of total ban unless it's necessary to prevent extremely serious immediate harm to national security, Leventoff said. There's no public evidence of that type of harm, and a ban would not be the only option for addressing that harm if it did exist. Ocasio-Cortez actually joined the platform in response to the recent TikTok hearings. Her first video included her thoughts on the bill's lack of congressional oversight. Do I believe TikTok should be banned? No, she said. Describing the legislation as putting the cart before the horse, Ocasio-Cortez called out the rushed nature of the bill after Congress's recent marathon committee hearing where members grilled TikTok CEO Shozi Chu. Usually, when the United States is proposing a very major move that has something to do with significant risks to national security, one of the first things that happens is that Congress receives a classified briefing, Ocasio-Cortez said in her video. And I can tell you that Congress has not received a classified briefing around the allegations of national security risks regarding TikTok. Representative Jamal Bowman, a New York Democrat whose district adjoins Ocasio-Cortez's, stood outside the Capitol to lead a protest against a TikTok ban during the questioning of Chu. Surrounded by supporters who noted that Facebook and other platforms collect just as much data as TikTok, Bowman argued that TikTok has become a platform for small business and commerce, a crucial tool for a generation of gig workers and side hustlers. That's a whole separate problem, that we have an economy of gig workers and side hustlers. Bowman, who supports data privacy legislation that focuses on consumer protection, has become the voice of TikTokers on the Hill and now leads the push against a full ban on the app. He says he's willing to listen to national security concerns, but so far has heard a lot of fear-mongering and speculation and not as much actual evidence. While Republican-led inquiries into TikTok and other social media platforms have been increasingly aggressive, not all members of the GOP are on board. That much became clear on Thursday when a vote on the measure was blocked in the Senate amid an intra-party fray. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, for instance, has called out the Restrict Act for failing to actually ban TikTok. Hawley has a competing bill that he claims would do that. Hawley tried to force a vote in the Senate on Wednesday through a procedural one that rarely works except as a reliable play for attention. Then there's Senator Rand Paul for Kentucky. The Senate's leading libertarian conservative who attacked the Restrict Act in a Wednesday op-ed for the Louisville Courier-Journal. He wrote that Republicans were driving a generation of young voters away from the party with an unpopular wedge issue. Quote, Congressional Republicans have come up with a national strategy to permanently lose elections for a generation. Ban a social media app called TikTok that 94 million, primarily young Americans, use, Paul wrote. On the one hand, Republicans complain about censorship, while with the other hand, these same Republicans advocate to censor social media apps that they worry are influenced by the Chinese, Paul said. Do we really want to emulate China's speech bans? The senator's father, former congressman and presidential candidate Ron Paul, called the Restrict Act the Patriot Act on steroids. The Restrict Act is just one of several measures that free speech advocates say could pose similar threats. It's an unusual moment on Capitol Hill and that the bipartisan coalition that wants to ban TikTok may be overwhelmed by the bipartisan coalition that has concluded 
that that is a terrible idea. So what exactly is in the Restrict Act? Let's find out. Here are excerpts from the Restrict Act. Uh, and I found this on govtrack.us. And the Restrict Act is also known as Senate Bill 686. A bill to authorize the Secretary of Commerce to review and prohibit certain transactions between persons in the United States and foreign adversaries and for other purposes. That's the short description of the bill. Section 1, short title. This act may be cited as the restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and communications technology act or the Restrict Act. Definitions. In this act, classified national security information. The term classified national security information means information that has been determined pursuant to Executive Order 13526 or any predecessor or successor order to require protection against unauthorized disclosure and is marked to indicate such classified status if in documentary form. 2. Controlling holding. The term controlling holding means holding with the power, whether direct or indirect, and whether exercised or not exercised, to determine, direct, or decide important matters affecting an entity. 3. Covered holding. The term covered holding, A, means regardless of how or when such holding was or will be obtained or otherwise come to have been held. A controlling holding held directly or indirectly in an ICTS covered holding entity by 1. A foreign adversary, 2. An entity subject to the jurisdiction of or organized under the laws of a foreign adversary, or 3. An entity owned, directed, or controlled by an entity described in subparagraphs 1 or 2, and b. Includes any other holding, the structure of which is designed or intended to evade or circumvent the application of this act subject to regulations prescribed by the Secretary. Number four, covered transaction. In general, the term covered transaction means a transaction in which an entity described in subparagraph B has any interest, including through an interest in a contract for the provision of the technology or service or any class of such transactions. B. Covered Entities The entities described in this subparagraph are 1. A foreign adversary 2. An entity subject to the jurisdiction of or organized under the laws of a foreign adversary and an entity owned, directed, or controlled by a person described in subparagraph A or B. C. Non-Evasion the term covered transaction includes any other transaction, the structure of which is designed or intended to evade or circumvent the application of this act subject to regulations prescribed by the Secretary. D. Timing. The term covered transaction includes a current, past, or potential future transaction. Number five, critical infrastructure. The term critical infrastructure has the meaning given the term in Section 1016E of the USA Patriot Act, 42 U.S.C. 5195C-E. 6. Entity. 
The term entity means any of the following, whether established in the United States or outside of the United States. A. A firm. B. A government, government agency, government department, or government commission. C. A labor union. D. A fraternal or social organization. E. A partnership. F. A trust. G. A joint venture. H. A corporation. I. A group, subgroup, or other association or organization, whether or not organized for profit. Number seven, executive department and agency. The term executive department and agency has the meaning given the term executive agency in section 105 of Title V United States Code. Eight, foreign adversary. The term foreign adversary, A, means any foreign government or regime determined by the secretary pursuant to sections three and five to have engaged in a long-term pattern or serious instances of conduct significantly adverse to the national security of the United States or the security and safety of United States persons and B includes unless removed by the secretary pursuant to section six, the People's Republic of China, including the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region and Macau Special Administrative Region. Two, the Republic of Cuba. Three, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Four, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Five, the Russian Federation. And six, the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela under the regime of Nicolas Maduro Moros. Number nine, holding. The term holding, A, means 1. An equity interest, 2. A stock, 3. A security, 4. A share, 5. A partnership interest, 6. An interest in a limited liability company, 7. A membership interest, or 8. Any participation, right or other equivalent, however designated and of any character, and B includes without limitation any security convertible into an ownership interest and right, warrant, or option to acquire ownership interests. 10. ICTS Covered Holding Entity The term ICTS Covered Holding Entity means any entity that A. owns, controls, or manages information and communications technology, products, or services, and B. 1. Has not less than 1 million United States-based annual active users at any point during the year preceding the date on which the covered holding is referred to the President or 2. For which more than 1 million units have been sold to persons in the United States before the date on which the covered holding is referred to the President. 11. Information and Communications Technology Products or Services the term information in communications technology products or services means any hardware, software, or other product or service primarily intended to fulfill or enable the function of information or data processing, storage, retrieval, 
or communication by electronic means, including transmission, storage, and display. Number 12, mitigation measure. The term mitigation measure means a measure agreed to in an agreement between any relevant party and the federal government or ordered by the federal government and of which any relevant party has been notified in any matter addressed under this act to address any risk arising from a covered transaction or associated with a covered holding. 13. Person. The term person means a natural person, including a citizen or national of the United States or of any foreign country. 14. Relevant Executive Department and Agency Heads The term Relevant Executive Department and Agency Heads means A. The Secretary of Treasury B. The Secretary of State C. The Secretary of Defense D. The Attorney General E. The Secretary of Homeland Security F. The United States Trade Representative G. The Director of National Intelligence H. The Administrator of General Services I, the Chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, and J, the heads of other executive departments and agencies as appropriate. 15. Relevant Committees of Congress The term Relevant Committees of Congress means A. The Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, the Committee on the Judiciary, the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, the Committee on Foreign Relations, the Committee on Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs, the Committee on Armed Services, the Committee on Rules and Administration, and the Select Committee on Intelligence of the Senate, and B, the Committee on Energy and Commerce, the Committee on the Judiciary, the Committee on Homeland Security, the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, the Committee on Foreign Affairs, the Committee on Armed Services, the Committee on House Administration, and the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence of the House of Representatives. 16. Secretary. The term Secretary means the Secretary of Commerce. 17. Transaction. The term transaction means any acquisition, importation, transfer, installation, dealing in, or use of any information and communications technology product or service, including ongoing activities such as managed services, data transmission, software updates, repairs, or the provision of data hosting services or a class of such transactions. So those are just the definitions in this bill, some of which are very, very broad. That brings us to Section 3. Section 3, Addressing Information and Communication Technology Products and Services that Pose Undue or Unacceptable Risk. A. In general, the Secretary in consultation with the relevant Executive Department and Agency Heads is authorized to and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate, including by negotiating, entering into, or imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure to address any risk arising from any covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the Secretary determines. One poses an undue or unacceptable risk of A, 
sabotage or subversion of the design, integrity, manufacturing, production, distribution, installation, operation, or maintenance of information and communications technology products and services in the United States. B. Catastrophic effects on the security or resilience of the critical infrastructure or digital economy of the United States. C. Interfering in or altering the result or reported result of a federal election as determined in coordination with the Attorney General, the Director of National Intelligence, the Secretary of Treasury, and the Federal Election Commission. Or D. Coercive or criminal activities by a foreign adversary that are designed to undermine democratic processes and institutions or steer policy and regulatory decisions in favor of the strategic objectives of a foreign adversary to the detriment of the national security of the United States as determined in coordination with the Attorney General, the Director of National Intelligence, the Secretary of the Treasury, and the Federal Election Commission, or 2 otherwise poses an undue or unacceptable risk to the national security of the United States or the safety of United States persons. B. Procedure 1. In general, not later than 180 days after the date of enactment of this Act, the Secretary, in consultation with the relevant Executive Department and agency heads, shall review any transaction described in subsection A to a. Determine not later than 180 days after the date on which the Secretary initiates such review, if such transaction poses an undue or unacceptable risk under subsection A. 2. And qualifies as a covered transaction. And B. With respect to a transaction found to pose an undue or unacceptable risk and qualify as a covered transaction. Determine whether 1. The covered transaction should be prohibited or 2. Any other actions should be taken to mitigate the effects of the covered transaction. 2. Published explanations. If practicable and consistent with the national security and law enforcement interests of the United States in coordination and cooperation with the Director of National Intelligence, the Secretary shall publish information in a declassified form to explain how a covered transaction that the Secretary denied or otherwise mitigated under Paragraph 1 meets the criteria established under Subsection A or Section 4A. 3. Certain Administrative Procedure Requirements Inapplicable Section 553 of Title V United States Code shall not apply to any regulation promulgated pursuant to Paragraph 1. Side note. Section 5 of U.S. Code 553 is related to rulemaking, including... General notice of proposed rulemaking shall be published in the Federal Register unless persons subject thereto are named and either personally served or otherwise of actual notice thereof in accordance with law. After notice, the agency shall give interested persons an opportunity to participate in the rulemaking through submission of written data, views, or arguments with or without opportunity for oral representation. After consideration of the relevant matter presented, the agency shall incorporate in the rules adopted a concise general statement of their basis and purpose. D. Required publication or service of substantive rules shall be made not less than 30 days before its effective date, except under these circumstances. E. Each agency shall give an interested person the right to petition for the issuance, issuance amendment, 
or repeal of a rule. Once again, this this code five of U, uh, section five of U.S. Code five five three is not applicable to any rules created under the new law in the Restrict Act. Section four, addressing information and communications technology products and service holdings that pose undue or unacceptable risk. And before I get into the details of section four, I just want to point out that imagine this law in the hands of the worst administration that you can imagine. And there are administrations even worse than you can imagine that we will have in the future. So imagine this new law in that administration's hands. Section four, addressing information and communications technology products and service holdings that pose undue or unacceptable risk. A, in general, the secretary shall identify and refer to the president any covered holding that the secretary determines in consultation with the relevant executive department and agency heads poses an undue or unacceptable risk to the national security of the United States or the security and safety of United States persons. B. Procedure. 1. Review and referral. The Secretary shall, by regulation, establish procedures by which the Secretary, in consultation with the relevant executive department and agency heads, shall a. Conduct reviews of holdings to determine if such holdings constitute covered holdings that pose an undue or unacceptable risk under subsection A, and b. Refer to the President covered holdings that are determined under subsection A to pose an undue or unacceptable risk. 2. Referrals prior to establishment of regulations. At any time preceding the issuance of regulations or establishment of procedures under subparagraph 1, the Secretary may identify and refer to the President a holding determined to be a covered holding under subsection A for action by the President pursuant to subsection C if the Secretary, in the sole and unreviewable discretion of the Secretary, determines that such referral would be in the interest of national security. 3. Administrative Procedure Requirements Inapplicable Subchapter 2 of Chapters 5 and Chapter 7 of Title 5, United States Code, commonly known as the Administrative Procedure Act, shall not apply to any referral by the Secretary to the President of a covered holding. C. Action by the President. 1. In general, subject to Section 13 with respect to any covered holding referred to the President under Subsection A, if the President determines that the covered holding poses an undue or unacceptable risk to the national security of the United States or the security and safety of the United States persons, the President may take such action as the President considers appropriate to compel divestment of or otherwise mitigate the risk associated with such covered holding to the full extent the covered holding is subject to the jurisdiction of the United States with respect to a the United States operations, assets, or property of the entity in which the covered holding is held, or of any products or services owned, controlled, designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by the entity are used in the United States. B. Any tangible or intangible assets, wherever located, are used to support or enable use of the product or software of the entity 
in the United States, and C, any data obtained or derived from use of the product or software of the entity in the United States. 2. Non-delegable authority. The authority to compel divestment of a covered holding under paragraph 1 may only be exercised by the president and may not be delegated to any other individual except as described in paragraph 4. 3. Announcement. If the president determines that action is required pursuant to paragraph 1, the president shall announce a decision not later than 30 days after the date on which the secretary refers the covered holding to the president pursuant to subsection A. 4. Enforcement of divestment. The President may direct the Attorney General to seek appropriate relief, including divestment relief, in the District Courts of the United States in order to implement and enforce this subsection. Section 5. Considerations. A. Priority Information and Communications Technology Areas. In carrying out Sections 3 and 4, the Secretary shall prioritize evaluation of 1. Information and communications technology products or services used by a party to a covered transaction in a sector designated as critical infrastructure in Policy Directive 21, February 12, 2013, relating to critical infrastructure security and resilience. 2. Software, hardware, or any other product or service integral to telecommunications products and services, including A. Wireless local area networks B. Mobile networks C. Satellite payloads D. Satellite operations and control E. Cable access points F. Wireline access points G. Core networking systems H long, short, and backhaul networks, or I, edge computer platforms. 3. Any software, hardware, or any other product or service integral to data hosting or computing service that uses, processes, or retains, or is expected to use, process, or retain sensitive personal data with respect to greater than 1 million persons in the United States at any point during the year period preceding the date on which the covered transaction is referred to the Secretary for review or the Secretary initiates review of the covered transaction, including a. Internet hosting services b. Cloud-based or distributed computing and data storage c. Machine learning, predictive analytics, and data science products and services, including those involving the provision of services to assist a party utilize, manage, or maintain open source software. D. Managed services and E. Content delivery services. 4. Internet or network-enabled sensors, webcams, endpoint surveillance or monitoring devices, modems and home networking devices if greater than 1 million units have been sold to persons in the United States at any point during the year prior preceding the date on which the covered transaction is referred to the Secretary for review or the Secretary initiates review of the covered transaction. 5. Unmanned vehicles, including drones or other aerial systems, autonomous or semi-autonomous vehicles, or any other product or service integral to the provision, maintenance, or management of such products or services. 6. 
software designed or used primarily for connecting with and communicating via the internet that is in use by greater than 1 million persons in the United States at any point during the year period preceding the date on which the covered transaction is referred to the secretary for review or the secretary initiates review of the covered transaction, including a. Desktop applications b. Mobile applications c. Gaming applications d. Payment applications or e. Web-based applications or 7. Information and communications technology products and services integral to a. Artificial intelligence and machine learning b. Quantum key distribution c. Quantum communications d. Quantum computing e. Post-quantum cryptography F. Autonomous Systems G. Advanced Robotics H. Biotechnology I. Synthetic Biology J. Computational Biology and E. Commerce Technology and Services including any electronic techniques for accomplishing business transactions, online retail, internet-enabled logistics, internet-enabled payment technology, and online marketplaces. B. Considerations Relating to Undue and Unacceptable Risks in determining whether a covered transaction poses an undue or unacceptable risk under Section 3A or 4A, the Secretary 1. shall, as the Secretary determines appropriate and in consultation with appropriate agency heads, consider, where available, a. any removal or exclusion order issued by the Secretary of Homeland Security, the Secretary of Defense, or the Director of National Intelligence pursuant to recommendations of the Federal Acquisition Security Council pursuant to Section 1323 of Title 41 United States Code. b. Any order or license revocation issued by the Federal Communications Commission with respect to a transacting party or any consent dec decree imposed by the Federal Trade Commission with respect to tra a transacting party. c. Any relevant provision of the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation and the Federal Acquisition Regulation and the respective supplements to those regulations. d. Any actual or potential threats to the ex execution of national critical function identified by the Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. e. The nature, degree, and likelihood of consequence to the public and private sectors of the United States that would occur if vulnerabilities of the information and communications technology services supply chain were to be exploited, and f. any other source of information that the Secretary determines appropriate, and 2. may consider, where available, any relevant threat assessment or report prepared by the Director of National Intelligence completed or conducted at the request of the Secretary. Section 6. Designation of Foreign Adversaries A. In general. 1. Designation. The Secretary may, in consultation with the Director of National Intelligence, designate any foreign government or regime as a foreign adversary if the Secretary finds that the foreign government or regime is engaged in a long-term pattern or serious instances of conduct significantly adverse to the national security of the United States or security and safety of United States persons. 2. Removal of designation. The Secretary may, in consultation with the Director of National Intelligence, remove the designation of any foreign government or regime as a foreign adversary, including any foreign government or regime identified in Section 2.8 if the Secretary finds that the foreign government or regime is no longer engaged 
in a long-term pattern or serious instances of conduct significantly adverse to the national or economic security of the United States or security and safety of United States persons in a manner that would warrant designation as a foreign adversary. B. Notice. Not later than 15 days before the date on which the Secretary makes or removes a designation under subsection A, the Secretary shall, by classified communication, notify the President pro tempore, Majority Leader, and Minority Leader of the Senate, the Speaker and Minority Leader of the House of Representatives, and the relevant committees of Congress in writing of the intent to designate a foreign government or regime as a foreign adversary under this section together with the findings made under subsection A with respect to the foreign government or regime and the factual basis therefore. Section 7 is resolution of disapproval of designation or removal of designation of a foreign adversary and just outlines all of the rules related to Congress's review of designation or removal of foreign adversary designation. I'm not going to read through the details of that procedure. Section 8. Implementing Authorities. A. Regulations. In carrying out the responsibilities under this Act, the Secretary may establish such rules, regulations, and procedures as the Secretary considers appropriate. B. Classes of Transactions. In conducting reviews, promulgating regulations, implementing prohibitions, or other mitigation measures, or otherwise carrying out the responsibilities under this Act, the Secretary may take action with respect to both individual covered transactions and classes of covered transactions. C. Other Authorities 1. In general, the Secretary may issue guidance including advisory opinions and established procedures to carry out this Act. 2. Lists of Foreign Persons the Secretary may create lists of foreign persons that may be subject to prohibitions or restrictions and related mechanisms to revise and update such lists periodically. 3. Additional authority. The Secretary may undertake any other action as necessary to carry out the responsibilities under this Act that is not otherwise prohibited by law. D. Advisory Committees. The Secretary may appoint technical advisory committees to advise the Secretary in carrying out the responsibilities under this Act. Chapter 10 of Part 1 of Title V, United States Code, shall not apply to any meeting of such an advisory committee held pursuant to this subsection. Section 9 is about information to be furnished. And this section just covers investigations, reports, report formatting, disclosure, and related requirements. Section 10. Enforcement. A. Investigations. 1. In general, the President shall rely on, including by delegation, the Secretary and the heads of other federal agencies as appropriate to conduct investigations of violations of any authorization, order, mitigation measure, regulation, or prohibition issued under this Act. 2. Actions by designees. In conducting investigations described in Paragraph 1, designated officers or employees of federal agencies described that paragraph 
may, to the extent necessary or appropriate to enforce this act, exercise such authority as is conferred upon them by any other federal law subject to policies and procedures approved by the Attorney General. B. Permitted Activities Officers and employees of agencies authorized to conduct investigations under subsection A may 1. Inspect, search, detain, seize, or impose temporary denial orders with respect to items in any form or conveyances on which it is believed that there are items that have been, are being, or about to be imported into the United States in violation of this act or any other applicable federal law. 2. Require, inspect, and obtain books, records, and other information from any person subject to the provisions of this act or other applicable federal law. 3. Administer oaths or affirmations and, by subpoena, require any person to appear and testify or to appear and produce books, records, and other writings, or both. And 4. Obtain court orders and issue legal process to the extent authorized under Chapters 119, 121, and 206 of Title 18, United States Code, or any other applicable federal law. C. Enforcement of subpoenas. In the case of contumacy, by or refusal to obey a subpoena issued to any person under subsection B3, a district court of the United States, after notice to such person and a hearing, shall have jurisdiction to issue an order requiring such person to appear and give testimony or to appear and produce books, records, and other writings, regardless of format, that are the subject of the subpoena. Any failure to obey such order of the court may be punished by such court as contempt thereof. D. Actions by the Attorney General The Attorney General may bring an action in an appropriate district court of the United States for the appropriate relief, including declaratory and injunctive or divestment relief, against any person who violates this act or any regulation, order, direction, mitigation, measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this act. In any such action, the limitations as described under Section 12B shall apply. And a little sneak peek at 12B. 12B covers administrative and judicial review. Notwithstanding any other provisions of law, actions taken by the President and the Secretary, and the findings of the President and the Secretary under this act shall not be subject to administrative review or judicial review in any federal court except as otherwise provided in this section. Actions taken by the Secretary under this Act shall not be subject to Sections 551, 553 through 559, and 701 through 707 of Title V, United States Code. So here they're they're taking actions that are undertaken as part of this legislation and in relation to this legislation as not reviewable by federal courts. Section 11 Penalties A. Unlawful Acts 1. In general, it shall be unlawful for a person to violate, attempt to violate, conspire to violate, or cause a violation of any regulation, order, direction, mitigation, measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this Act, 
including any of the unlawful acts described in paragraph 2. 2. Specific Unlawful Acts The unlawful acts described in this paragraph are the following. A. No person may engage in any conduct prohibited by or contrary to or refrain from engaging in any conduct required by any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this Act. B. No person may cause or aid, abet, counsel, command, induce, procure, permit, or approve the doing of any act prohibited by or the omission of any act required by any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this Act. C. No person may solicit or attempt a violation of any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or authorization or directive issued under this Act. D. No person may conspire or act in concert with one or more other person in any manner or for any purpose to bring about or to do any act that constitutes a violation of any regulation, order, direction, etc., etc. E. No person may, whether directly or indirectly through any other person, make any false or misleading representation, statement, or certification, or falsify or conceal any material fact to the Department of Commerce or any official of any other executive department or agency, one in the course of an investigation or other action subject to this Act or any regulation, order, direction, etc., etc., or two, in connection with the preparation, submission, issuance, use, or maintenance of any report filed or required to be filed pursuant to this Act or any regulation, order, direction, etc., etc. F. No person may engage in any transaction or take any other action with intent to evade the provisions of this Act, etc., etc. G. No person may fail or refuse to comply with any reporting or record-keeping requirement of this Act or any regulation, order, etc. H. Except as specifically authorized in this subchapter, any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, or other uh, authorization or directive issued thereunder or in writing by Department of Commerce, no person may alter any order, direction, mitigation measure, or other authorization, etc. Additional requirements. This is three. Three additional requirements. A. Continuation of effect. For purposes of paragraph 2E, any representation, statement, or certification made by any person shall be deemed to be continuing in effect until the person notifies the Department of Commerce or relevant executive department or agency in accordance with subparagraph B. B. Notification. Any person who makes a representation, statement, or certification to the Department of Commerce or any official of any other executive department or agency relating to any order, direction, mitigation, etc., shall notify the Department of Commerce or the relevant executive department or agency in writing of any change of any material fact or intention from that previously represented, stated, or certified immediately upon receipt of any information that would lead a reasonably prudent person to know that a change of material fact or intention had occurred or may occur in the future. 
B. Civil penalties. The Secretary may impose the following civil penalties on a person for each violation by that person of this act or any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or other authorization issued under this act. 1. A fine of not more than $250,000 or an amount that is twice the value of the transaction that is the basis of the violation with respect to which the penalty is imposed, whichever is greater. 2. Revocation of any mitigation measure or authorization issued under this act to the person. C. Criminal penalties. 1. In general, a person who willfully commits, willfully attempts to commit, or willfully conspires to commit, or aids or abets in the commission of an unlawful act described in subsection A, shall upon conviction be fined not more than $1 million, or if a natural person may be imprisoned for not more than 20 years, or both. 2. Civil forfeiture. A. Forfeiture. 1. In general, any property, real or personal, tangible or intangible, used or intended to be used in any manner to commit or facilitate a violation or attempted violation described in paragraph 1, shall be subject to forfeiture to the United States. 2. Proceeds. Any property, real or personal, tangible or intangible, cons constituting or traceable to the gross proceeds taken, obtained, or retained in connection with or as a result of a violation or attempted violation described in paragraph 1, shall be, shall be subject to forfeiture to the United States. B. Procedures. Seizures and forfeitures under this subsection shall be governed by the provisions of Chapter 46 of Title 18, United States Code, relating to civil forfeitures, except that such duties as are imposed on the Secretary of Treasury under the Customs Laws described in Section 981D of Title 18, United States Code, shall be performed by such officers, agents, and other persons as may be designated for that purpose by the Secretary of Homeland Security or the Attorney general. 3. Criminal forfeiture. A. Forfeiture. Any person who is convicted under paragraph 1 shall, in addition to any other penalty, forfeit to the United States 1. Any property, real or personal, tangible or intangible, used or intended to be used in any manner to commit or facilitate the violation or attempted violation of paragraph 1. And two, any property, real or personal, tangible or intangible, constituting or traceable to the gross proceeds taken, obtained, or retained in connection with or as a result of the violation. B. Procedure. The criminal forfeiture of property under this paragraph, including any seizure and disposition of the property and any related judicial proceedings, shall be governed by the provisions of Section 413 of the Controlled Substances Act, 21 U.S.C. 853, except subsections A and D of that section. Section 12, Judicial Review. And this is the Section 12 that we had a sneak peek of earlier. I'm not going to go into it in detail, but this sets out limitations to judicial review of any action taken under this act. Section 13 is relationship to other laws, which covers how this law um, is applicable or non-applicable 
uh, in relation to other laws or other laws are non-applicable in relation to this law. Section 14 talks about what to do during the transition. Section 15 covers some miscellaneous things such as Paperwork Reduction Act, administrative procedures, uh, no right of access. Section 16 is a severability clause. Section 17, authorization of appropriations. There are authorized to be appropriated such sums as may be necessary to carry out this act. That is the text, or at least excerpts of the text from the Restrict Act, Senate Bill 686. And finally, for this episode, here's a piece written by Jason Kelly and David Green. This is published at EFF.org. The recently introduced Restrict Act, Senate Bill 686, rightfully is causing a lot of concern. This bill is being called a TikTok ban, but it's more complicated than that. As we wrote in our initial review of the bill, the Restrict Act would authorize the executive branch to block, quote, transactions and, quote, holdings of foreign adversaries that involve, quote, information and communication technology and create undue or unacceptable risk to national security and more. We've explained our opposition to the Restrict Act and urged everyone who agrees to take action against it. But we've also been asked to address some of the concerns raised by others. We do that here in this post. At its core, Restrict would exempt certain information services from the federal statute known as the Berman Amendments, which protects the free flow of information in and out of the United States and supports the fundamental freedom of expression and human rights concerns. Restrict would give more power to the executive branch and remove many of the common-sense restrictions that exist under the Foreign Intelligence Services Act and the aforementioned Berman Amendments. But Senate 686 would do a lot more. EFF opposes the bill and encourages you to reach out to your representatives to ask them not to pass it. Our reasons for opposition are primarily that this bill is being used as a cudgel to protect data from foreign adversaries. But under our current data privacy laws, there are many domestic adversaries engaged in manipulative and invasive data collection as well. Separately, handling relatively unchecked power over to the executive branch to make determinations about what sort of information technologies and technology services are allowed to enter the U.S. is dangerous. If Congress is concerned about foreign powers collecting our data, it should focus on comprehensive consumer data privacy legislation that will have a real impact and protect our data no matter what platform it's on. TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else that profits from our private information. That's why EFF supports such consumer data privacy legislation. Foreign adversaries won't be able to get our data from social media companies if the social media companies aren't allowed to collect, retain, and sell it in the first place. Would the Restrict Act result in a ban on the personal use of TikTok? It's unclear. This bill is not a ban on personal use or even on a technology directly. The bill may result in a ban on TikTok because it grants the Commerce Department such broad authority. That ban may take the form of removing it from app stores or a forced sale or other mitigation measures imposed against the owners of the technologies. 
The Restrict Act makes use of mitigation measures that have been used under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and by the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. The bill applies to six foreign adversaries, China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela, and could be expanded to other countries, though the bill is being referred to as a TikTok ban by many, can be applied to other companies like Huawei or Kaspersky, which are headquartered in those countries. Indeed, Senator Warner, the bill's co-sponsor, has identified those companies as the bill's primary targets. As of yet, the U.S. government has not shared information that would justify a forced sale or ban of TikTok from app stores or other possible mitigation measures. As we've written, the government will have to demonstrate that any mitigation measure is narrowly tailored to prevent the harm it has identified. Unfortunately, three provisions of the Restrict Act make it less likely that the public would ever learn whether U.S. officials actually have information to justify the mitigation measures authorized by the bill. First, while Congress can override the designation or de-designation of a foreign adversary, it has no other role. Second, any lawsuit challenging a ban would be constrained in scope and the amount of discovery, again, limiting what the public could learn about how the bill is applied. Discovery can lead to the release of information that helps the public learn how law is applied and why, but this law would limit what the public could learn, as well as the ways in which a case could proceed. Third, the executive branch need not publicly explain its application of the law if doing so is not, quote, practicable, and, quote, consistent with national security and law enforcement interests. Those interests are also not defined, and we have written many times before about the problems with overclassification of national security information. In this case, that means crucial transparency is missing from the process. Overall, the law authorizes the executive branch to make decisions about which technologies can enter the U.S. with extremely limited oversight by the public or its representatives about the law's application. Could a person be punished under the law for using a VPN to access TikTok if its U.S. access is restricted? Potentially. Recent comments by one of the authors, Senator Warner, indicate that the bill is meant to be used to punish companies, not users, who might access a product like TikTok after it is restricted. But the law does not itself place limits on mitigation measures or bar individual user prohibitions, and the resulting uncertainty is troubling. The bill authorizes the Department of Commerce to impose, quote, mitigation measures, without any restrictions on what those measures might be. Couple that with a vague enforcement provision that grants the power to broadly punish any person who, quote, evades these undefined mitigation measures. And the result is a law that can be read as criminalizing common practices like using a VPN to get a prohibited app, sideloading installations, or using an app that was lawfully downloaded somewhere else. Even if the bill's sponsors do not intend it, giving the Commerce Department broad authority to impose crushing criminal penalties on any person trying to evade a, quote, mitigation measure is dangerous. For example, in the case of a mitigation measure that bars the importation of TikTok into the U.S., it authorizes penalties, including 25 years of prison time, for any person who brings TikTok into the U.S., whether by use of a VPN or downloading it while in another country. 
Congress absolutely should tighten this penalty language to remove all possibility of prosecution against individuals who use an app. Is the Restrict Act a surveillance bill that would allow the government access to your devices? Not exactly, but it is far too broad in the power it gives to investigate potential user data. Under the bill, the Commerce Secretary can demand information from any party to a transaction or holding under review or investigation. In theory, a company designated under the bill, such as TikTok, could be required to cough up user data during those investigations. There are some important confidentiality requirements protecting this data, but it could be shared with other government entities in some specific circumstances. We find another concern that others have raised to be largely misplaced. Some have read the bill as authorizing investigations into any website that has a foreign entity's pixel embedded in it. These companies would then have to produce user data to the Commerce Department. We don't share this concern because it would require interpreting the law to say that merely using a website pixel means your site is holding a foreign is a holding of a foreign adversary. Thankfully, the definition of holding under this bill is not that broad. This misinterpretation and other overly strained readings of the law have been shared widely on both social media and in the news and are understandable given the broad language in the bill. This is sweeping legislation that would have Congress abdicate much of its responsibility in holding the executive branch accountable and leaving any room for misinterpretation is a problem. The confusing language here is another failure of the bill. For those concerned about such sweeping surveillance powers, we encourage you to ask your representative to reform Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Under Section 702, the FBI conducted up to 3.4 million warrantless searches of Section 702 data to find Americans' communications in 2021 alone. Join this fight and you will be in good company. We and a large number of civil liberties and civil rights groups have been fighting for FISA reform for a decade. The Restrict Act is absolutely the wrong approach to protecting data privacy. It would open the door to wide-ranging government bans on hardware or software from foreign countries with no explanations needed, little transparency, limited challenges via litigation, and limited congressional oversight. The law also intentionally removes current checks on executive power, which are necessary even in the realm of foreign relations. Restrict skirts these checks by providing only minimal congressional overview. The free flow of information, even if it's, yours, even if it's your enemy speaking, is an essential democratic principle. The U.S. government often condemns similar actions that restrict certain communications technologies in other countries. Going around these protocols could weaken our credibility when doing so in the future. Restrict is also vague and broadly written, and could be interpreted, and has been, in various troubling ways. Numerous organizations oppose the bill, including ACLU, Fight for the Future, and the Center for Democracy and Technology. As such, we encourage you to reach out to your representative to tell them not to pass the bill. And that'll wrap up this episode of You Can't Be Neutral. Remember, you can follow on Twitter at YCB Neutral, and you can find out more, including all those back episodes, 
at youcan'tbeneutral.com. And now, a moment of Zen. Thanks for listening. I'm not putting down our country when I am honest about what our government has done. I'm putting down our government, yes, but there's a distinction between the government and the country. It's a very fundamental principle of democracy that the government and the country are not the same. The government and the people are not the same. That's the basic idea of the Declaration of Independence, which says governments are set up by the people. They're artificial creations. They're set up to achieve certain ends, the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, equality. And when governments become destructive of those ends, according to the words of the Declaration of Independence, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish the government. That's serious. Those are revolutionary words. But after all, it was a revolution. And there's something about a revolution that brings out some honesty and also brings out the, the, the uh, idealistic language and, and hopes and dreams which may not be realized because, no, the dream of the Declaration of Independence was not realized, but it's there. It's telling us that governments are not to be obeyed simply because they're governments. To be patriotic is not to simply do what the government says. To be patriotic is to subscribe to the principles of the Declaration of Independence, to check up on the government to see if it really is fulfilling its obligation to take care of our right to equality, to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Patriotism, in the best sense of the term, means following those principles. And when the government doesn't follow those principles, the government is being unpatriotic.